Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money-saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. Blues and Capitals tonight, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our analyst for the Blues here on 101 ESPN, Joe Vitale, joins us as he does every Friday morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Randy, doing good. Doing good, buddy. How are you today? Everything's terrific. Michelle and I have determined that this day, January 7th, is the final day to say Happy New Year. After today, the new year isn't new anymore. Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, it's, we're definitely we're definitely in the swing of things. And January seventh, uh, if you don't remember, is the three year anniversary of Jordan Bennington's first start in Philadelphia. Randy, right? Exactly, and that started the roll towards the Stanley Cup championship. Hey, Joey, as we get started here, uh, Paul Bess- Bissonette brought up on the air the other night the story of you being the DJ in the Penguins dressing room <laughs> during the winning streak. I want you to tell that story to people that are tuned in right now. Oh my gosh! Yes, that was uh, you know that was when I told on their their podcast uh, in the week the Blues started the Stanley Cup final with the Boston Bruins, and, and it was such a subtle like uh, uh, breeze over story in my mind. But I, I, apparently, people get get their kicks out of it, and and to me, it's the number one question I get now that I've retired is, isn't what was your first game like? What was it like playing in the NHL? It's always it's always what was it like playing with Sidney Crosby? I mean, to me, that's always the question people ask. So I think people are just really intrigued by some of the best in the world, but. Long story short, I get to Pittsburgh. It was my rookie season. Uh, Max Talbot had just gotten traded. He was a DJ for like five or six years. They needed a new DJ. They appointed to the rookie, which was me. So, you know, being, being a DJ, you got you to gotta listen to people. You got to find out what the French Canadians like. They love their techno. And then the old school Brooks Orpics love their Metallica, right? So you got to try to intermix all these songs. I always throw some oldies in there, some Sam Cooke to kind of get things rolling and uh, Luke Bryan country. And then one, one game, this is about a month or two into the season, um, I started putting this mix together for the next game. Now, the only rule, there's only one rule as far as being a DJ in the National Hockey League for all you listeners out there, if you ever get that opportunity. The only rule is you don't change the mix if you win the game. So let's say I have a 13-track mix. Uh, from the moment the coach is done with the pregame meeting to the moment you go out for warm-ups, here's the 13 songs. Let's say you win. The next game, it has to be that track. And it doesn't change until you lose. So one track, it was around November time, I put on this different song, and Florence and Machine song, Dog, Dog Days Were Over. That was a big hit that year, right? So I was like, oh, I'll throw this on the mix. It's kind of an upbeat, kind of jam, because she's got a good voice. It's kind of got a little, 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 little jump to it. Throw it on there, and as, as I'm doing it, I'm in the locker room. I can still see myself there. I'm taping my stick in the locker room in Pittsburgh, and the song comes on. Pre-game, coach just left, and Cindy Crosby comes up to me, and he goes, hey, man, this is an unbelievable song. I was like, 
yeah, this is this is a good jam. Like it came out in the summertime. He goes, oh no, I know it came out in the summertime. Well, I went to Italy this this summer with Braden Chen and Nathan McKinnon, our, our girlfriends and wives came along with us. And this is right when this song came out. So he starts going on to this whole story, and I'm just listening, and, and it's a good story. He's talking about going to Italy and the Amalfi Coast and jumping in the sea at Capri and all this different stuff. And this song was like their theme song for the whole trip. They put it like on repeat, right? So I'm listening, 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 whatever. We go out. I think he scores a goal. We win the game. So a couple nights later, we're in Philadelphia. The song comes on, right, because you don't change the mix. He literally comes up to me, and he goes, hey, man, this is a great song. I go, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a good song. And I kind of was like, what's going on? And he starts going into this whole story about how we went to Italy. He's like, man, we went to Italy. This is our theme song in Italy. We were in Capri. And he starts telling the whole story again. And Randy, Michelle, this is right after he had all those concussion problems. And so I'm like, oh, my God, is he, like, is he, like, having concussion issues? Like, does he not remember? He told me the story. And then after the – so I kind of let it go. And we win that game. And he got a couple assists. The third game, back in Pittsburgh. Hey, dude, this is a great song. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we went on, like, a 13 or 14 game, like, streak, like, run, where every game, every game when this song came on, he would come up to me and he'd tell this exact same story again. And I'm the idiot, because I got to act like I've never heard this stupid story before. But you know what? That was his superstition. And, and it worked. It worked for him. And so... You know, at the end of the day, it's one of the things you kind of do. Now, my thing, here's my thing. I look back on that story, and the problem for me was, while he was on a great run and the team was doing great, I was doing atrocious. Like, I, <laughs> I, was, in the worst, I was in the worst run of my life. So, by, like, game 10 or 11, I'm like, my mind's starting to melt because I got to get away from this routine because it's screwing me up. So, at one point, I, I hid in the bathroom. I believe we were in Jersey. I hid in the bathroom when the song came on. Think I just I, I I can't do it today. Like I can't do it today. He'll be fine. He's Sidney Crosby. He'll figure out a way to score a goal. He doesn't need the dog days are over uh, routine with me to figure out how to win. Right. So I hide in the bathroom and the song's almost over. I can kind of hear it faintly. I'm in the stall, whatever. And literally like 20, 30 seconds ago in the song, I hear like a boom or boom goes open, and I hear, "Hey Joe," like. He's like, hey, it's Sid. Hey, every time of time, well, we're just killing. I'm on the stall like, yep. Yeah, you, you, you know, how'd it go? That was great. We went to, uh, we went to post it. <laughs> I'm like, no mind. It's like, it's like eating itself at this point. And finally, at Randy and Michelle, after about 15 or 16 games, he, he, we, we lose. And he came up to me right after, I mean, right after the loss. We're getting changed. We're kind of getting our get off, whatever. And, He's like, hey man, that was good. And he gave me the knuckles. He's like, I'm really sorry, but that was that was a good run we went on. I was like, that was that was something. That was something. So, you know, it's, he 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 truly is one of the most superstitious players I've ever been around. And and not only and I, and I say this a lot, but it's not only for just giggles and and kicks and it doesn't just you know you know whatever. It it really is to put him in the right frame of mind where he can be consistently uh, night and night out the best player in the world, but. No, we had so much fun with him, and there were so many goofy things he did. Like, he'd fill up a Gatorade cup halfway. He'd always chuck clear tape into a stall, and then if, if it fell, he'd have a bad game. And so guys would always be messing with his routine. And at the end of the day, though, there, there are some superstitious guys. You guys have been around a lot of baseball players. Some guys take it really seriously. Like, if you mess them up, they, they, they get really serious. He was a kid that he had his routine. He had his superstitions. But you can kind of poke fun and kind of, like, lean on him a little bit. And he would kind of laugh it off too. So he just found this wonderful balance. But no, there was there was always those moments in Pittsburgh where you had to not only get ready for your game, 
but but every player will tell you what what does Sid need? What what does Sid need out of me? For, everyone had a thing they did with Sid, and you had to make sure you were doing your stuff for you personally, of course. But everyone had their own thing, and it sounds kind of selfish, like arrogant, like this guy must be a bad leader if everyone's catering him, but it wasn't. He was just so good. He was so good, and he was such a big part of our team that you're like, I got to make sure this guy is at the top of his game because if he does well, I do well, right? So everyone kind of, you know, had their little things they did with them, and at the end of the day, it always seemed to work out well. Well, Joey, we also learned that you don't want to poke the bear when when Mikola and Crosby were going at it and all of a sudden we're seeing blood coming out of his face. Randy and I are watching the game. We're saying, uh-oh. We talked to David Perron earlier this week. He was saying, uh-oh. I heard you on the broadcast. You were saying, uh-oh. You just kind of knew he was going to flip the switch after that. You did. You did. You know, and this is something I, I think I said in the broadcast with John Kelly the other day. You know, a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference who play him over and over, um, they're more familiar with what, what, how he ticks and, and what to do and what not to do. You know, if you're the Philadelphia Flyers, the New York Rangers, you see them, you know, five, six times a year, whatever, whatever it is, you know, three or four times now. But you know this is what you do, this is what you don't do. When he came into the league, you know, he was a kid. He was. He, he was immature. He was a kid. He was 18 years old. You know, he, he'd get fired up. You know, players would get under his skin, and he would, he would get, let it get the best of him, right? But about probably the third or fourth year in his progression to, to where he is now, he started to kind of turn a little bit. I think he had great guidance living with Mario Lemieux. I think probably really helped. But he had great leaders around him. Billy Guerin was a great leader. I think really helped him out in this development as well. But he started to, to kind of shift where it didn't let him get to him as much. And then that third and final shift became not only did he not let it get to him, he actually thrived in it. Like he actually, he actually fed him to go deeper. I remember playing in, in big-time playoff games where we'd be in at Madison Square Garden and there'd be an intense moment in the game tied late two minutes to go, like players like me, most players, like, they kind of shell up, right? When the stress of the game, the anxiety of the game raises, we all kind of go a little boy, kind of, you know, hide in our little, our little turtle shell because that's kind of human nature, right? But he, he's not like that. He's a player that I, I've always said, when the game, when the game uh, stress rises, he brings his game to a whole new level. Like something I've never seen before. Like, I remember games in Philadelphia, the chance they would say to him. I mean, like, I can't believe kids were allowed in the building with some of the things the Philadelphia Flyers fans said to him and chanting. The signs were terrible. I'm like, how is this kid going to go out there and have any kind of resemblance of a decent game with all this stuff? He wouldn't have a decent game. Guys, he would blow the doors down. He'd get a hat trick. He'd get five points. He, he actually thrived in it and to, to a way I've never really seen before. I mean, the closest thing I've probably seen was when I saw that documentary last year would be Michael Jordan. You know, when the game's the line, he wants the ball. When the puck's the line, or the game's the line, uh, Sidney Crosby wants the puck. Now, I know Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. Technically, skillfully, he is there, right? The speed, the hands, he's got it all. He is technically better than Sidney Crosby. But one area, one area that I've not seen out of Connor McDavid yet is that his game continues to be brought up to a whole nother level when, when games are super important or like playoffs, for example, I mean, is, is there a reason why Connor McDavid hasn't progressed more in the playoffs? I think it's because he's not quite at the level of Sidney Crosby yet where w when the game stress rises, he wants it and he demands it and he actually makes a productive difference in the game. And that's something that you look at Sidney Crosby and, and that's what he just does. I think to this day, better than any player. I'm talking about any player across the league, including Nathan McKinnon. You know, he, he wants that puck. He can turn the game on a dime. And you're right, Michelle, when, when, when Mikola punched him, he was kind of not a factor in that game. But I remember thinking, like, oh, boy. And I told John Kelly, I'm like, oh, boy, here we come. You just, you just poked the bear. You, you woke up the monster, right? You know what I mean? So 
that that was something in the game that we wanted to keep an eye on and, and certainly had a big effect in the game as a result. Hey, Joey, what have you thought? You, you mentioned Jordan Bennington and this being the three-year anniversary of that first win against Philadelphia. As we move forward, the Blues have played 34 games. What are you thinking of Bennington this year? I think Jordan has done a terrific job. You know, I know the, the numbers probably don't scream at you, right, as far as any kind of awards coming his way or maybe – uh, there's a reason why Vasilevsky and uh, maybe Hellebuck have, have kind of, you know, creeped up a little bit higher as far as, you know, um, you know, the Vesnas and all that kind of stuff, the Vesna watch, whatever. But I think um, something that continues to stand out about Jordan as I watch more and more games and watch games, not only from the blues, but, but across the board, he, he has this ability and I, and I don't even know how to put a finger on it, but he just knows, you know, how to make a save in the right moment of the game. He always keeps his team in a great position to win. Like, I think the biggest, the best part about his game is he's a winner, right? You look at since he came into the league, that moment, you know, three years ago, there's only two goalies that have more wins in that stretch, and it's, and it's Connor Hellebuck and, and Andre Vasilevsky. So he's right there as far as the wins go. And, you know, like, you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've been absolutely stacked. You know, so Vasilevsky's had a, an incredible group in front of them. Look at Jordan Bennington. I mean, to be third and win since that time and have the group that he's had, where we look at this year, for example, the COVID, the injuries, I mean, for him to continue to find wins, that's, that's an interesting thing. You know, I, I guess you can kind of compare it to baseball a little bit. Maybe a, a baseball pitcher's numbers aren't that great, but at the end of the year, he gets 20 wins. How does he do that? Maybe he's just a gamer. Maybe he understands the game. Maybe he understands situations of the game. Maybe he understands intensities of moments and, how, and what the team needs, momentum shifts. That, that, to me, is all gamesmanship, and that's what seems that Jordan Bennington really has to me better than any goaltender in the league and why I think the Blues are, are just so, still so high up on him, and they should be because he will make that save in the right moment. He will keep his team in a position to win every single night, except for a couple here and there. And that, at the end of the day, is what you need out of your goaltender. Joey, we haven't talked to you since the Winter Classic. How was the weather? Have you thought out yet? Yeah, Michelle, it was cold. <laughs> it was cold, girl. Oh, my God, it was cold. And luckily, we were kind of in the side booth. We were just kind of covered, but the door kept flying open. Oh, but people uh, people were coming in and, and talking to us, and they were excited to see us. I mean, people's beers, as you saw, were freezing halfway through. If you didn't drink them quick enough, I got a hot chocolate before the pregame to kind of warm up. After our eight-minute pregame, I literally took a sip. It tasted like it tasted like iced tea. It was that cold. It was amazing how cold it was. But it, it was just it was an unbelievable weekend. Minnesota, the league did such a great job. The families, the kids. We went up in the family charger. There's like kids ripping up and down the hallway. I mean, or the. Um, the, the alleyway there between seats, uh, the, the wives had such a wonderful time. Everyone stayed as, as warm as they could, but it, it really was one of those special memories. And the fact that the Blues uh, put on such a great show from a product standpoint on the ice really kind of was the icing on the cake. So we're looking forward to the next one. Hopefully it won't be quite as cold. I think I read the other day it was the coldest game ever um, for the National Hockey League, which was it's kind of cool to be a part of. Joey V, you're the best. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in tonight and a Sunday afternoon as the Blues start a five-game homestand. Have a great weekend. Sounds good, you guys. You guys have a great weekend as well.